Thanks for joining us today on the Harvest Podcast. Now here's today's message. We pray that it will bless your life as you listen. In this series so far, we've talked about how everything belongs to God. That was the very first week in this series that we talked about. Last week, we talked about how all of time is God's. His time, it's the time that we have, it's what's been given to us to steward and to steward well, but it's still his time. This week, we're going to talk about using our stuff wisely so we can know what really matters. Uh, how many of you have a bulletin? Let me pick one of these up. Go ahead and get it out. Right there on the inside on the notes section, right there between on the title, says, live like you know what matters. I want you to take and draw a line between what and matters, okay? And then above it, in all capital letters, I want you to write the word really. This is a participation. Yet You might get a participation trophy for this one, so go ahead. Write, write it right there at the top. And then I want you to circle it. If you had a highlighter, I want you to highlight it. Because I want us to live like we know what really matters. There's a lot of things in life that matter, amen? It matters that we, uh, you, you pay your bills. It matters that we do all of these things that come at us, right? It's really important that we do those things. Those things matter. It matters that you get up and you put your clothes on before you go out for the day. It, some of you are kind of, that's kind of an iffy question for you. It really matters. It matters that we, we, we take care of things. But I want to talk about what really matters today. And I want us to live like we know what really matters. So I'm, I'm doing that because I want it by way that you can look back, also by way of saying, hey, you should have your note paper out and take notes. Because it really matters. So when we talk about what really matters, for a minute, let's talk about a couple of things that don't really matter, but they're going to illustrate the point today. How many of you remember the very first car you ever had? How many of you remember your first car crush? Anybody? Like that, oh, I really want that car when I get older. Well, I remember mine. My grandpa Earl, yes, my, his name was Earl. Yes, that's where I get my middle name. My mom did that to me. My granddad, Earl, he had uh, a collection of classic cars. Now, this was in the, in the early to mid-80s. He had gone from being the poor farmer out on the ranch to living uptown because they hit oil and gas on his property. It didn't take him long to become the poor farmer back out on the ranch because he bought cars like this one. This was my first car crush. He had a 65 pearl white Mustang. He had a 66 candy apple red convertible. At one point, he had a 64 Barracuda, and they were all in this kind of shape. They were beautiful. They were immaculate. They were amazing, and they were supposed to be given to me and my brother. Until he decided to trade them in. Both of them, the 65 and the 66 together, he traded them in for a conversion van. That's how much my granddad loved us. He traded them in for a, a, a brand new conversion van. Now, as lame as that sounds, 
It wasn't that lame of a ride, okay? It was one of those, it was super nice, had the leather captain's chairs in the back, had the back seat that folded down, made a bed. I'm sure it had like a microwave and a refrigerator and everything else you needed to live out of it because that's where he deserved to live was in the outhouse after this happened. But it even had a TV in it. It had a, a VHS tape player. And some of you are wondering, what is a VHS tape player? It's the old thing that used to play movies on it. And, and, and it was like a crime when you would rent a movie down at the, at the movie house and you would get it and it had not been rewound, right? It was like, oh my, like you, you had literally punished us for renting your sorry movie in the first place because you didn't rewind it. Nonetheless, it wasn't that lame of a ride. On the back, it had the, the, the spare tire on the back of the ride, right? It was covered up and it had the dog on it, you know, with the one ear folded down and it said, good times. That was the kind of conversion van that my granddad traded these beautiful, beautiful cars in for. Now, one time I was telling the story about a classic, you know, this car that my granddad was supposed to have given me and, and how crushed my, my car crush literally had been, my hopes and dreams literally traded away for a conversion van. I've never seen one like the one my granddad had. It was spectacular, it was beautiful. But I was telling the story about, you know, how my granddad had done this and somebody offered me free of charge a 66 Mustang. It kind of looked like this, though. <laughs> Not nearly the same thing. And being the mechanical genius that I am, I passed. Because my mechanical genius is find the guy who knows what he's doing and take it to him. And I didn't have the money to have that kind of thing fixed up, right? But it's still a 66 Mustang, right? It is, but it's not the same. It is, but it isn't. It's not anything like that shiny and new thing that my granddad had that was supposed to be given to me. It's not the same. It is, but it's not the same. Maybe for you, it's, it's a little bit different. Let me give you a different analogy. The new iPhone has come out, right? Uh, and I love the new iPhones. I love the technology. I love everything that's in them. One day, I'm going to get one of those. I'm going to wait till the iPhone 10 comes out because I want to hold it in my hand. I want to see if all the bells and whistles and gadgets work the way they say they're going to work. I'm not, I'm not that guy anymore who has to have it, whether it works or not. I, I need it to be functional. If not, the one that I have is very functional right now, and I can hang on to that for a little while longer. But just imagine you go down to the store, you pick out the one that you want, you get it in the color that you want, uh, you get it with the memory that you want in it, and you fork over all the dough and then some more and then keep reaching for some more and keep giving it, and then you can have that shiny new iPhone. You get it home, expecting it to be just like the display you'd been playing with. And you open the box to begin the setup, and inside of it is a crushed, maim, maimed thing that was supposed to be an iPhone. It's an iPhone, but it's, it's not the same. It's an iPhone, but it's not. It is, but it isn't. It's just not really the same. Even though it, it is, it's, it is, but it's not. Maybe a, a, a car or an iPhone is not something that really appeals to you for this but I bet if we were to give each of you a sheet of paper and said, hey, make a list of things that if you ordered it in brand new and it showed up in terrible shape, broken and maimed, you'd be really, really upset. We wouldn't have a problem coming up with a list of those things, would we? Because each and every one of us have something that matters to us like that. Here's the thing. What that does is it really brings up and we begin to wrestle with questions and age-old questions at that. One of the age-old questions that we wrestle with is this. Is it wrong to want or have money or nice new things? Is that wrong? 
Well, that's the question we're going to wrestle through, and it's one the church has wrestled through for a long time in varying opinions. And still today, you would find varying opinions. But today, we're going to look at it uh, in the Gospels, and we're going to see what Jesus has to say himself about how we deal with our stuff and how we deal with the things that he's given us. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 20, it says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. That means that my mother-in-law will not be able to get that piece of pie. Score one for the home team. In these two verses, Jesus does the same thing we were talking about. It's the same, but it's not the same. It's treasures, but it's not really. He, he does it with, with treasures and with riches. He says, he, he's telling us about two different types of treasures or riches. Riches on earth and riches in heaven. Uh, riches on earth are the things that we've been talking about. Our time, the stuff that we have, the things that we have in our life. And it's all about the things that we steward well. Those are riches here on earth. It's not just about how much you can amass in your bank account, but it's about how you deal with what you have collected and what God has placed in your life. But the thing about riches, according to Jesus and our own experiences, our riches on earth are going to break down, they're going to rust, they're going to rot, and they can be stolen. In, in other words, they're temporary. Riches on earth are just temporary. You can't take them with you. It's kind of like the, the story that we've told about the little old lady. Uh, um, my, my dad, as the two stories I want to tell you, my dad told me this story. A lady came in and she wanted to, to have her husband exhumed, wanted his grave exhumed, because she wanted to spit in his face and have him cremated. Because he left all of his inheritance to their daughters and not to her. Folks, you can't take it with you. You ruin somebody else's life in that way, but you can't take it with you. Or how about the lady who, whose husband had collected all of this cash and kept it underneath his mattress. And when he died, he, before he died, he made his wife promise to put all of the cash in the casket with him because he wanted to take it with him into the afterlife. So before the funeral was all said and done, before they lowered the grave, she had gotten her purse out and she had a little envelope uh, and she asked the funeral director, could you open the casket one more time? I have something I'd like to place in there. And he said, sure, no problem. Put it in there. Well, the daughter went to her and said, mom, why did, you, why did you want the casket open again? What did you put in there? She said, oh, I wrote your daddy a check. He won't mind. <laughs> you can't take it with you, right? You can't take it with you. That's the thing about earthly riches. They're never going to go with you. They are just that, temporary, temporary. It's nothing that can, can, can be carried over to the other side past death. But then Jesus does this shift where he shifts from focus about uh, earthly riches to heavenly riches, heavenly treasures. Uh, these are the riches that won't rust, won't fade, or won't break. In other words, they're eternal. They last forever. No matter what, they are going to be forever and ever and ever. They don't rust, they don't fade, they don't break, they go on and on. They're like the Energizer Bunny. They go on and they go on and they go on, except they're better than that because they never run out. Once you store them in heaven, they will never be gone because they are eternal. They're eternal. Now, while Jesus is making a really good explanation here in, in verses 19 and 20, he takes it one step further in verse number 21 when he says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. The desires of your heart. See, when we talk about using what you have, use it or lose it, being a good steward with what's been given to us, we have to pay attention to where we allow our desires 
to be built, where we allow our, our desires to be housed. Because sometimes, I mean, let's face it, it's football season. Some of our desires, our treasure is amassed at the University of Oklahoma or in Stillwater at the University of Oklahoma State. They're amassed there because that's where we put our treasures on deposit with season tickets and our, 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 our allegiances go with those things. There's nothing wrong with going to games. There's nothing wrong with enjoying that. We go, we have fun, enjoy what God's given you. But when that allegiance takes place over Jesus, that's when we have a problem. I'm just letting it sit in for a second. If my shout is louder and longer and more crazed because the Sooners actually beat the Longhorns than it is that Jesus conquered the devil, I probably have a little bit of a problem. I probably have a little bit of an allegiance issue. Come on, my life should live an allegiance to the Lord that's greater than anything else here on this earth. And this is a huge point that Jesus is making. We have to know the difference between riches and riches, treasures and treasures. There is a difference. You see, one is shiny and new, and the other is rusted and broken down. No, it may not look like that today, but let me tell you, it will one day. That 66 Mustang in the picture could exactly sum up what it is we're going to deal with. It's going to rust. It's going to break down. It doesn't matter how new the car was when you bought it. One day, it's going to have problems because it is temporary, just like this life. One day, your, your brand new body, everything the way that it's looking, perfect the way you want it to, one day it's going to break down and things are going to go to places that you never thought they could go. And you're going to wonder, what happened to me? Things you used to be able to eat with no problem, you can't eat any longer. Things that used to only stick around for a little while now have stuck around for a long while. You know what I'm saying? Jesus wants us to understand this. He's talking about time or money or stuff. It's about so much more than time or money or stuff. It's about more than that. They're just things, things that we're to steward well, but they have a way of influencing the way that we believe and the way that we behave. If we're not careful, they'll get in the way of how we serve God, in fact. Now, let me give you one more analogy before we move on with this. Let's say, let's say that you win a weekend shopping spree with Starless credit card and Pastor Mike's agreement to pay the bill. <laughs> don't count on it. Nonetheless, you head out to the outlet mall because after all, you want to be a good steward of the generosity of him paying the bill with Starless credit card while you're gone. So you head to the outlet mall and the first store you find is Saks Fifth Avenue. You load up on some new clothes and then you're off to the North Face store because, well, winter is coming, so you're going to need a coat or two or three. Then off to the Nike store because, I mean, after all, all this shopping is going to wear you out. You're going to need good shoes to make it through, right? Then you might as well stop in at Gap and buy a whole new wardrobe for the season change that's about to happen. You getting nervous over there yet with your credit card bill? No? It's just peanuts so far? Okay. Well, <laughs> he said, I've already canceled it. So then, before he canceled it, you made your way to the Banana Republic, 
Got loaded up on, again, some new clothes, some nicer clothes, because sometimes you want to look a little bit nicer than just everyday clothes. So, of course, you make your stop there. And then, of course, why not stop in at the Bose store and buy one of those new 321 sound systems that's going to make that beautiful new TV you just bought sound amazing when you're watching the football game in high def, right? Then you realize, hey, you know what? I have all of these receipts I need to keep up with. So you decide to stop in at the coach store and get you a new purse to hang on to. After all, you want to be able to return all the receipts to him in good shape, right? So imagine you get loaded up. Eventually, you kind of look like this lady. Now, imagine if you were this loaded down, this lady, if you were to throw her something, she has to make a choice, right? She has to make a choice. Is she going to catch what you throw her and drop everything she has, or is she going to try to dodge what you throw her and hang on to what she's got? Either way, she has to make a choice. That's what happens to us, is we can get so loaded down with our stuff that we miss the point that the stuff is just that stuff. It can all be replaced. Everything we have, we could give it all away, and God could absolutely restore it just like that. Ask Job. In a moment's notice, God could take what you lost and double it. God could take what you give up and triple it. He can do anything because he's God. But we can allow our stuff to turn us into this woman where we get so loaded down with everything else that doesn't really matter that we lose sight of what really is the point. You see, the stuff isn't wrong. Your stuff isn't wrong. It's perfectly fine. You know what? Amass as much money as you can in your bank. Get as much as you can hang on to. Honor God, pay your tithes, give, be generous, but amass what you can. You know why? Because one day, just like the ants know, there ain't going to be a harvest. One day, there's not going to be more coming in, and what you have is what you'll be able to live on. Will you be able to survive the winter? That's perfectly fine. The stuff is not the problem. It's just inanimate objects that don't have a soul, won't be making the journey with us to the other side because it's just stuff. But when the stuff becomes our focus, it makes it very hard to focus on and be available for what truly, really matters. You see, when we place all of our value on what we have, what we can get or what we own, we easily end up missing out on what's most important and what really matters. So how do we keep our eyes on the target, on what matters most, on what really matters? How do we value what really matters in the process? Here's where I'm going to give you some words of advice that probably no preacher or doctor has ever told you. Now, we've all learned in recent days that there's a difference between good fat and bad fat, right, in what we eat in our dietary process. If you amass enough good fat, it does good things for you. If you're eating bad fat, then you know what? It hangs on forever and ever. For some reason, I keep finding the bad fat. So again, advice no doctor would get you. Today, if we're going to stay focused and we're going to stay on target and keep our eyes on the prize, we have to stay fat. It's an acronym, obviously, as you can tell, but stay fat. First of all, stay focused. You know how I like alliteration. I like the points to make sense and line up. makes it easy for you to remember. I doubt anybody's going to forget today's three points because nobody's ever told you you should stay fat, right? But we have to. We have to stay focused. We have to keep our eyes on the prize. 
We've got to remember where we've come from and what this journey is all about. You see, in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 10, the author was trying to give them one of those remember where you've come from kind of moments. And he starts with telling them how we have to never forget. In verse 32, it says, to think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. And friends, when I became a Christian at the age of 17, truly following God, submitting my will to him, I endured as much suffering as a 17-year-old boy can imagine. You know why? Because at 17, my friends mocked me. Well, we'd be in the Spanish class, and I can remember one of my buddies leaning over to me and saying, hey, do you guys speak in tongues at church? Yeah. Do it right now. Why? Because I want to prove to you that it's not real and it doesn't sound anything different than what Miss Huerta's saying. Because he thought surely it would sound just like what our Spanish teacher was saying because he didn't understand it either. It meant when I got saved that there were no more parties on the weekends. It meant that there was a change in my lifestyle and the, the, the enduring all of the terrible things. Now I said as much, as, as much uh, um, uh, suffering as a 17 year old boy could imagine. I would never liken this to what those around the world have gone through, but in my mind, it was terrible and it was awful. But the thing that I have to remember is that remaining faithful was the hallmark of the early church, and it still is the hallmark today. Faithfulness is what we're going to be celebrated for when we get to heaven. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. When we get to heaven, that's what's going to matter. Have I been faithful? You see, the, the Hebrew writer doesn't just end there. He goes on to tell them about how they've remained faithful even though they were beaten. And even though through times it would seem like while they were being beaten and while they were helpless, they still offered others help and hope during that time. And he says that when you were robbed and all of your possessions were taken and how you suffered in jail, they did all of that because they knew that there were better things waiting for them that would last forever. And in verse 35, he sums it up when he says, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. The great reward that faithfulness to God brings you. Stay focused. Now, some of you, you may think, well, staying focused sounds easy, preacher. It's really not. It's really not. Because slowly and subtly, things get pulled away from us and our attention gets drawn away and we miss the point. But Paul, obviously it was a big deal because he conveyed the same message to the church at Colossae when he said this in Colossians 3, 1 and 2. He said, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, how many of you have been raised to new life? How many of you have been raised to new life? A few of you. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. My citizenship is not here. My citizenship is in heaven above. And one day, when I get there, you know what's going to happen? Jesus is going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You can enter into your rest. Why? Because I didn't keep my sights focused on everything that was happening around me, but I kept them set a little bit higher so that I could see one day what I'm going to see when I get there, that this was all worth it. That this is all one day going to be worth it. One day when I look back on the in, in, in Holy Ghost blockbuster and I see how my life played out, I'm going to be able to see all the times he saved me and rescued me when I didn't even know it. And one day we're going to be, be able to look back and see the goodness of God when we never realized it was there. One day we're going to say it was worth it. We've got to keep our eyes set on heaven above where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. 
Think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. Think about the things of heaven. Think about the things of heaven. Listen, if you want to stay focused on what really matters, then let the gospel consume you. When you daydream, where does your mind go? Where does your mind go? Does it go to, boy, the singers really whipped them Texas Longhorns today. No? See, if the gospel consumes you, then I would dare say that when you daydream, you'll be walking streets of gold and singing with the angels. You'll be talking to old Abraham about what it meant to lay Isaac on the altar. You'll be able to see all those who've gone before you. Why? Because you're daydreaming about the day that matters most. Let the gospel consume you. We really want to stay focused. Let it consume you. Don't, don't just stay focused, but stay alert. See, the Peter said that the devil is like a roaring lion, right? Like. Not a roaring lion. He said he's like one. 1 Peter 5, 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to, de to devour. Stay alert. If he's roaring like a lion, what's he trying to do? Get your attention and instill fear. He's trying to get your attention and instill fear. Now, I remember back in, in the early 2000s when I made my first African trip. I was invited to go on, the, on a construction team, and we get over there, and we're getting ready to head that way. And I think, you know, I probably should kind of get an idea of what it's going to be like. So I start watching some National Geographic videos of how the lion lies in wait and sneaks up to attack its prey, right? I didn't want to end up being a lion's lunch. And he could have feasted on it. He'd been like, hey, there is a buffet. We can eat forever. I didn't want that to be my story, right? So... I, I thought I probably should pay attention to what that might look like. So I watched some of these videos and learned that, you know what? There's really not much they can, you can do if they decide that they're after you and you don't have a gun. You're kind of at lunch. It's just kind of the way that it is. Kinda, but I wanted to know what, what to look for. I wanted to be prepared as I could not to be that way. Well, then in 2006, when we made that trip to uh, the, the first trip to Burundi, I thought, you know, I need to find out what kind of snakes these people have. Because Steve Irwin's show had been out talking about the 10 deadliest snakes in the world. And I thought, well, that's bad news. Me and snakes don't get along. I need to find out what they've got. I discovered that they have a snake called the black mamba. It's like the fastest snake on earth. Something like six, 15 or 16 feet per second. So I figured out, did the math real quick. That's faster than I could run. So then I was kind of freaking out because some of these churches we were going to go build, they were kind of out in the bush, you know, uncharted area. So I thought, well, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. All I know is, is this. I don't have to be the fastest to get away from them. I just can't be the slowest. <laughs> right? Perfectly logical sense. I was really grateful my friend John was going to be on the trip because there was a good chance then, you know what I'm saying? Maybe just maybe I could be faster than him and I'd be okay if I get past him. So we get over there and we're out in the bush and I didn't know which one I should look out for more. Uh, in the bush for a black mamba that I can't see sneaking up behind me or the UN gunship that's circling overhead with guns hanging out and people on the gun. I didn't know which one to be more terrified of. And it hit me like, I mean, just like a bomb going off inside of me. Stay alert for your devil. Just as much as I was alert right then and there at the threat that was around me, so should I be that alert every time I awaken because the devil is like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. Be alert. Stay alert. 
The devil's always trying to get our attention. That's his job. He's always making noise, trying to draw our attention away to something it shouldn't be focused on. So we gotta stay alert because it's nothing new. Friends, if we'll get to know the voice of the lion of the tribe of Judah, then we'll never be easily deceived or distracted by an imposter. Spend time getting to know the voice of the lion of the tribe of Judah. Know God. So we've got to stay focused. We've got to stay alert. And we've got to stay tender. Now, I didn't say stay on tender. That's a whole different sermon in and of itself. And if you don't know what that is, that's just fine. Don't go look it up. We've got to stay tender before the Lord. We've got to keep our hearts soft. See, if we're going to live like we know what really, really matters, then we have to stay tender before the Lord. How many of you have a stubborn older or younger sibling? You have a stubborn sibling. Just go ahead and raise your hand high. I didn't say point across the room. Just raise your hand. How many of you are that stubborn sibling? Come on, be honest. There's all to call in a minute for all you liars. Okay. You know, you know sometimes there's, there's things that would be a whole lot simpler in life if we wouldn't have to hit our head to learn the lesson every time. Sometimes, so I, I don't know what it is about certain, certain uh, children, and, and we know this from life, that there are certain personality types that they have to bump their head to learn the lesson. But, don't do that. Don't, I said don't do that. Go ahead, grab the hot frying pan. You're going to learn today. That's the point. Sometimes We're going to learn. Everyone is going to learn. You're going to learn by instruction or you're going to learn by correction. But everybody's going to learn. We have to be those who will learn by instruction because we listen to the voice of God, because we're allowing him to mold and shape us, because our heart is tender and soft before him. It's, it's amazing how much more is accomplished if we'll just be tender before the Lord. You see, life forces us to have the hide of a rhino, amen? You better be thick-skinned in life or you're going to be the most offended person in the world. And if you don't have thick skin, then you should probably get off of all social media. If you're looking for a reason to be offended, then join Facebook. I'm just telling you. But, but not only do we have to develop the hide of a rhino, we have to develop the heart of a teddy bear at the same time. Life can be rough. Any of you found out life can be rough? Hey, and if nobody's ever told you this in life, I, I'm sure that this may be new to some of you. You may have never heard this before, but if, if this is new to you, then you can thank me later for being the one to tell you, okay? Life's not fair. Life is not fair. So while life's not fair, Jesus is just. And while unfairness may have come your way, God's justice will eventually win out. Unfairness may have been dealt, you, you may look around and go, oh, 
There's some of you, I've heard your stories and man, they break my heart and they melt me at what you have endured and what you have gone through. And I just sit back and I go, man, how in the world have you made it through all of that? Uh, Job search after job search after job search and still keeping your heart tender before God instead of throwing your hands up and saying, God, I thought you loved me. I thought you were here for me. Instead, we, we step back and we say, God, in the midst of all of this, I know that you are God and I trust you to see me through it. Friends, today we've got to stay tender, keeping our hearts tender before God because tenderness before him is, is the only way that God can continue to do the work in us. Philippians 1.6 says that I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus returns. What he started, he'll begin. You know the only way God can't continue the work in us is if we tell him No. No, sorry, you're not working in that room, Lord. I want us to stay focused. I want us uh, to stay alert. I want us to stay tender because I want us to know what really matters and live like what we know really matters. But here's the thing. If at the end of the day we're not tender and soft before God and allow him to invade every room in our heart, we're missing out on what God can do. I've got to step back and say, God, everything, every room I have is available for you to invade and rebuild the way that you want it. Because I want to live like I know what really matters. See, when we talk about stewardship, it's so much more than money or time or stuff. We have to steward our relationship with the Lord and staying focused so that our heart stays tender before him. It's a process that's going to last a lifetime. In the verse there at the very end of it, when does it say that the work will be finally done? On the day that the Lord returns, right? He's going to carry it on until the day when Christ returns. So what that tells me is you're not a finished product. No matter how long you've been a follower of the Lord, no matter how long you've been in the way, Sometimes we've just been in the way, not really in the way. See, there's two different things there. It depends on how you read it. No matter how long we've been at it, we're still being worked on. We have to allow the Lord to work on us. He shapes us. He molds us. And he keeps doing that until the day that he returns. In recent years, there was a head football coach. Been married for 26 years. And after 26 years of marriage, he ended his, his uh, divorced his wife because he became a head coach in the NFL. He said that he needed a wife when he was coaching in college football because there were social functions that he needed her to be at. And it demonstrated and showed families of recruits that he was going to be looking out for their kids. Now, now as a pro football coach in the NFL, she was an unnecessary accoutrement and a distraction to winning. He said that winning football, winning in football was his number one priority over his wife and two sons, and they were second now. What a tragedy, especially when you compare that to the late legendary head football coach of America's, of America's team, and I might add God's team, the Dallas Cowboys, the, the great Tom Landry. Tom Landry said this, that the thrill of knowing Jesus is the greatest thing that has ever in my life happened to me. I think God has put me in a very special place and he expects me to use it to his glory in everything that I do. Whether that's coaching football, 
or talking to the press, I'm always a Christian. Christ is first, family is second, and football is third. See, we've got to remember that our goal in life is to live like we know what really matters. Like we know what really matters. Do we know what really matters? See, we, we can talk all day long about how to live like we know what really matters, but at the end of the day, it begins with do you know what really matters? Do I know what really matters? Because you see, on that day, when I stand before the Lord, he's not going to say, my, Travis, your children were able to attend all of these functions that you could get them to as kids. He's not going to look and say, my, Travis, you did such a wonderful job at building videos and making all these things, and boy, you knew how to, uh, to write in a journal, and he's not going to say any of that. What he is going to say is, Travis, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That implies that I know him. See, it starts with, do I know him? That's what really matters. Anything that distracts me from that is a problem. Anything that draws me away from my knowledge of him is an issue. We have to live like we know what really matters. And it's to know him and to make him known. I have to know him. See, as we remember that, we've got to remember what Peter said. In 1 Peter 2.11, he said, Dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your souls. We're just passing through. King James, in that verse, is, I, I love the way that it says it, as aliens and strangers. Aliens and strangers. You know the thing about an alien? If they were to invade here, it's a world where they don't belong. They don't belong. I love the way it says it there. Temporary residence, that's great. But friends, here on this earth, we should be aliens. When people look at us in the way that we live, in the way that we give, and the way generosity marks our life, and our life is marked by our love for one another, they should look at us and go, you are so weird. Are you even from this planet? I'm sorry, but if they're going to call me weird, I'm going to go with it. If they're going to think that I'm strange because I'm generous or because I'm kind or because I do things and embrace others that people other than me don't, that's perfectly fine. I'll be weird all day long because I want to live like I know what really matters, and that's to spread the love of Jesus, that same love that has infected me. I want to give it away to everybody that I can. I want a waiter or a waitress to think I'm weird that I left them the tip that I did to go with that invitation card that I left. Remember, if you're not going to tip them, don't you dare leave one of those cards. I'm just saying. We're just passing through. So make sure that you're storing up treasures in heaven, true treasures. Know the difference that our stuff is just stuff. It ain't going with us. No matter how much we amass, it's never going to make, uh, make it to the other side, and it's never going to help you make it to the other side. Faith in Jesus and a relationship with him alone is the only thing that's going to get you through. Shiny new treasures there are what we're going to truly enjoy for eternity. So friends, stay focused, stay alert, and stay tender before God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, 
I've tried to use as much levity and, and humor as, as I could possibly muster and drag out of my wife at the same time. And I've done that on purpose. Sometimes it's heavy and sometimes it's hard-hitting and those are necessary. But I wanted to, to, in a fun way, try to bring it back to we have to live like we know what really matters. And sure, there's a way to do that. And we can laugh and talk about, oh, that was funny. He told us to stay fat. We're Americans. woo But I want us to stay focused and alert and tender before God. Those matter. They help us stay connected with what really matters. But maybe you're here today and you would say, Pastor, I've not stayed focused. I've not stayed alert. And my heart is not tender before God. I'm kind of cold to him because I feel like he's failed me. I feel like he's let me down. I feel like in all these times and all the journeys that I've been through, he's not seen me through. He's not lived up to his end of the deal. My heart is kind of closed off to that. But I feel God's warmth, the warmth of his love melting the iceberg around my heart. And today I want to respond to that because I want to live like it really matters. Today you want to respond and allow Jesus to uh, ask him to forgive your sins, to wash you clean and to bring you back home. Man, if that's you, whether it's for the first time or whether it's, it's for the 100th time, would you slip up a hand? All right, who else? All right, who else? Looking across the room here. Okay. Friends, this in no way is, is anything to be ashamed of. Man, I walked the aisle for years before it ever stuck. I want you to look this way. Look at me. Here's the thing. How many of you, like in your life and in your journey, you gave your life to Jesus before it ever made sense and clicked in you? And it seems like maybe you gave your life to Jesus about 17 times before it really, it, it really counted. Let me say it that way. Come on, be honest. How many of you, that's you. Hold, hold your hands up. I'm wanting you to hold your hands up because I'm wanting everybody to see. Thank you. It, it's kind of like this. When Rachel and I decided we wanted to have babies, we got pregnant. Woohoo! We're having a baby. We didn't get to see that baby for nine more months. But there was growth occurring for nine months before there was ever a baby born. Same thing happens in our lives. Sometimes there's growing that's taking place before we're ever born into the kingdom. Sometimes there's a process that goes there where we're coming to Jesus and we're coming to Jesus and we know we've got sin in our lives. And man, I don't want to keep doing these, these things. I, I don't want to be caught up in that, but I've got to... It's okay, you're growing. Eventually, one day, you keep after it, it's gonna click and you're really gonna sell out and there's not gonna be any room left because you're gonna have a sold out sign that's gonna hang in, the, in the, 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 the windows of your heart for the devil to look at. There's no more room at the end, baby. You gotta go. And it's because Jesus has taken up all the room that's there. So listen, if you feel like, man, I keep bumping my head against this, when is this ever gonna stop? I feel like I'm on this merry-go-round. You're doing fine. Keep coming to Jesus. 
whether it's for the first time, the fifth time, or the 100th time, keep coming to Jesus. He's the author and the finisher. He's the, the playwright for the faith of our life, the story of our life. Keep coming to Jesus. So today, one more time, head bowed and eyes closed. If you say, Pastor, that's me. Man, I'm riding this roller coaster. I believe God's doing something, and I'm praying that today is the day that it sticks, and never more do I deal with all of these sins, but I begin that journey that forever changes my life. Slip up a hand if that's you. You're ready for today to be the day. All right, all right. Come on, anybody else? Looking across the room. Listen, it's a beautiful thing, what God's doing in us. So if that's you, in a moment, we're going to ask you to come around these altars and pray with our prayer team and our elders. Maybe, maybe you need prayer because you have stuffitis. You like your stuff way too much. You're kind of addicted to it, let's be honest. And if, if the Lord asked you to give it up, you'd be like, uh-uh, no, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. And you'd be just like that little girl that her daddy's asking for that fake pearl necklace. And she says, no, daddy, I can't. No, daddy, I can't. No, no, no. And time after time, finally she gives it to him and he replaces it with what was genuine and authentic, the real deal, a genuine pearl necklace. Come on, we got to let go of that and allow Jesus to be superior and supreme in our hearts. If that's you and you've got stuffitis and you'd say, today, I want to steward my stuff well and not be controlled by it. Would you slip up a hand? All right. That's an easy one for a lot of us to admit to. If I took away your favorite thing, you'd find out real quick whether or not you got stuffitis. Lastly, how many of you have something you just need God to do? Need somebody to agree with you in prayer because, man, I'm really going through this. I've got an issue. I've got a struggle. Would you slip up a hand? You need prayer for any reason. All right. There were lots of hands that went up. And I'm saying that because in a moment, we're going to invite you around these altars so you can come to know Jesus, receive prayer for whatever it is that you need prayer for, or to come to him and say, you know what, Lord, whatever I'm holding on to that's in place of you, help me to let it go. So right now, here's what I want everyone to do. All across the room, I want you to stand right where you're at. Prayer team, elders, would you make your way down here to the front? In just a moment, we're going to invite you to come around this this altar area for prayer because we're, we're going to create a space. They're going to sing a song, and believe it or not, we're not after 1130, so you're not in a hurry. Your kids are still in session. You ain't got nowhere to go in a hurry. Just hang on. So as we move to this spot, you know what? This is a great chance for us to come to the Lord and pray, to come down and say, you know what? I need prayer. I need someone to agree with me. I need someone to stand with me. Maybe you raised your hand and I need to accept Jesus. Today's your day. We want to invite you to do that. So as they sing, if you raised your hand or you need prayer for any reason, come on, begin to make your way this way. We need you to come and pray. We're going to agree with you in prayer. Anybody at all? Come on, they're coming. Who else? Come on, let's give them a hand as they do. It's not easy.